Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Debating Metal. It's me, Kenneth Dean, along with my co-host, Chris Kay. We're back again for another exciting episode of Debating Metal. This week, we're going head-to-head once again with Sepultura, Arise versus Chaos AD. Two seminal heavy metal albums, but tonight, we see which one we think is better. We're going to review the tracks from both albums, offer our opinions on each, and at the end, we'll determine which album we think is better. We're also going to give some more rusty metal for you and a new online pick of the week. If you stick around until the end, we'll give you our big four Sepultura songs. By now, our regular listeners know that Rusty Metal is my pick of the week for a classic metal album, and Chris offers his online pick of the week, which is a recommendation of a YouTube or Twitch channel that he thinks you might like. So if you want to hear this or any of our other episodes, download our episodes on your favorite podcast platform and click subscribe so you can get our newest episode every Friday. We also want to interact with you guys and read your opinions, so if you like what we had to say or just want to rip us a new one, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com or DM us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And pretty soon we'll be posting our episodes onto YouTube, so keep a lookout for that. And while you are on our social media pages, be sure to check out Kenneth Dean with Rusty Metal Plus, where he gives you a little bit more detail about his Rusty Metal pick. So what is Rusty Metal this week, Kenneth? All right, Rusty Metal this week is, uh, we did this band before, we did the album that came out after this album. Um, This is Exciter with Long Live the Loud, which came out in 1985 on Combat Records. It was produced by Guy Bidmead, and it was recorded at Britannia Row Studios in London, England. Um, This band... Uh, is considered one of the first speed metal acts and an early influence on the thrash metal scene. And this album is is so... It's hard to describe. I mean, it's got some good songs on it. There's a lot of, uh, I want to almost say, repetitiveness. It's 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 kind of strange because it's speed metal. There, there's, this album came out in 85, but at, at when the band started... Uh, I believe it was like 82 or 83. Um, they were doing like, I guess, very similar to Slayer's speed metal, and, but they didn't have the the, uh, the lyrical content like Slayer. They were more into, the, you know, uh, science and space and, and, you know, just speed. So their, their style, slightly different, but they're but they were considered one of the first speed metal bands, um, and and their style. So if and they, the influence on thrash more more came from the speed than it did from the the style in which they played the songs. Um, and I say it that way because thrash has a particular drumming sequence and sound and style that that they don't do. They did more of kind of like um, accepts uh, fast as a shark. The double bass drumming quick like that, and then, you know, just a fast chug along the way. But this album is pretty cool. Um, the standout tracks on it are Long Lived Loud, I Am the Beast, and Born to Die. Now, one of the things I got to criticize about this album is the album cover. Um, and someone might get on my case about this. I don't care. But the artwork to me is a really weak version of the art that Ken Kelly does. Uh, Ken Kelly is famous for doing uh, album covers for Kiss, Man of War, and Rainbow. He did the uh, Rainbow Rising cover. And this artist, uh, is his name is Alan Craddock. And I, I looked up his work, and the way it looks to me is that this work is very 
almost immature, kind of teenagerish, doing a lot of he does a lot of space uh, and sci-fi and fantasy artwork, and it it just seems really really like like a. a uh, someone trying to be Ken Kelly, but they just never get there. And the f- the, f- the first the, the album cover on this is so um, strange. Like the girl's foot kind of disappears. The girl's arm is really really long from the elbow to the to the wrist. Um, the guy whose head's on a spike, his his eyes are actually looking at the warrior that's in the middle. So it's like, how did a dead guy have his eyes looking to the side? It's a lot of weird things about this album cover. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's, it's really weird. I mean, it looks like when you see first glance, you say, Oh, this is the same guy that did Man of Wars covers. No, it's not. Um, it's looks very reminiscent, but it's not. Um, so yeah, Interesting. So, so there's a little bit of a critique on that. And, you know, like I said, I'm sorry. Um, but I just, I looked up his stuff and it, it just seems like he never grew as an artist. He kind of stayed in the same, the same lane and, you know, very similar how we, we almost criticize Ace Freely for never really getting much better as a lead guitarist. It's kind of just, th- this guy, Alan, kind of just stopped right there. And, you know, and, and nothing against that overall, but had his artwork been higher level and he stopped, it would have been different. But it just seems like he never got past a certain age uh, as far as the the ability, I guess you could say. Um, but anyway, gotcha. enough of that. Um Another thing about the this album is pretty interesting. So before CDs, before streaming, vinyl was the way, or vinyl or cassettes were the way you you basically consumed your music. And so, you know, when you got a vinyl record or you got a cassette, there was an A side, there was a B side. Well, this album has what they call side heavy and side metal. Uh, heavy being the A side and metal being the B side. So I thought that was pretty cool <laughs> that they 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 kind of didn't put an A side, a B side. It was just the, the heavy and the metal side. So that's pretty cool. Um, and one last thing, Dan Beeler, who is the vocalist, he's also the drummer for the band, but his vocals take some time to get used to. Um, if you thought Brian Johnson and Udo Dirkschneider were, were difficult to understand, then Dan Beeler just takes it to another level. I mean, that he makes Brian and Udo look like, you know, really really good singers uh as far as wow as far as as far as understanding and ease of understanding because this guy's pitch is way 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 up there so he's kind of got like a a little bit lower pitch than king diamond but it's rough and and speaking of king diamond his he has that thing where king diamond tries to do like a high range low range uh, vocal to his singing so it's just like a, a straight vocal then there's the falsetto well this guy's got like a, a, a really gargly high pitched falsetto and then his low range is really not low so much as it's kind of like a, a mid-range falsetto and it's it's kind of weird in that in that way but it does take a lot of getting used to so his voice is rough to listen to at first if you're not used to it um, so it's pretty cool in, in in that regards, I mean, it it was different, especially for back in that that time. I mean, early '80s, metal was just starting out. Speed metal was was becoming a thing. This was so different, and I can think that's what set Exciter apart. Because you know, everyone always wants to hear 
someone who's different or a vocalist who's different because the best vocalists out there all have their own style. And this guy definitely uniquely has his own style. It's just one of those where it's like, mm, it's really different. I don't know if I can get used to this or not. Um, so some people do. And last but not least, the album is available as a remastered expanded edition if you want to get it out there or you can stream it on any of your favorite streaming platforms. So that's this week, Rusty Metal Pick. Very cool. All right, so this week for my online pick of the week, um, I just kind of stumbled across this channel, uh, which I was pleasantly surprised. I don't usually like listening to reaction videos. Uh, you know, it just doesn't interest me. But I felt like the information that this uh, particular YouTuber was giving uh, was, was so interesting and informative that I I actually stuck around and watched a few more videos. Um, it's a YouTuber called The Charismatic Voice. Uh, it, her name is Elizabeth Zaroff, and she's a, uh, an opera-style singer. She sings in 17 different languages, which is really impressive, uh, has sung all over the world, has done stuff for video games and uh, I believe movies and, you know, just a, a lot of variety in what she does. And so what I ended up watching was uh, she was listening to Judas Priest Painkiller, and that was the first video I saw. And so she was really analyzing every aspect of the way that that the singers approach, you know, how like how healthy their their style of singing is and explained you know, basically how to open the throat to sing properly, etc. Just all these techniques that she was bringing in just very casually into her analysis of the of the videos. And it was really impressive to see because it really made me think like, you know, I love to sing along to songs in the car, but am I doing it healthily? Am I doing it the way that it should be done? And she was t explaining how difficult you know, things like she was watching a Queensryche video with Jeff Tate and explaining how difficult it was f to go from one style of singing to another and saying, you know, this, this, uh, this in this moment, most singers would be singing in a falsetto. Well, Jeff has an open throat, so he's not singing in a, a falsetto. This is his natural singing voice at such a high pitch, and it was it was really interesting to get that real like full breadth of what, um, you know, the 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 talent and, and ability of these singers is, you know, from a, from a, a professional. So I've seen a lot of reaction videos from all different types of people. I'm not always interested in it because the, to me, the information that's being presented is not pertinent to, you know, anything musically. It's just people saying, oh, this is really cool, etc. This was different. I really enjoyed the videos that I watched. She doesn't do metal all the time, but she does. I mean, she did one for Iron Maiden, for Opeth, and is really expanding more into metal as it seems like fans are really excited about her listening to that. So um, definitely check her out on YouTube. Again, it's the Charismatic Voice, uh, and her name is Elizabeth Zaroff. She's been doing this since 2014, and there's a lot of videos to watch, so definitely catch up. Cool. I got to check that one out, uh, especially the, the Jeff Tate and the Judas Priest, uh, the, the Rob Halford one. Yeah, both of those were really good. I, I definitely recommend those. I, li I liked the Opeth one because she goes into depth about, you know, because – Michael Michael Ackerfeld sings, um, you know, both clean vocals and death metal vocals, and she explained, you know, just how to get that sound, like where to sing from, etc. And it, it was really cool to hear that. So, um, 
Yeah, de- definitely check her out. So is is uh, Michael's vocals not processed in any way in terms of getting down to that death growl? No, no. He, he has a very awesome natural voice, and it's it's so impressive to hear him. Uh, I'd love to, to go over that band in the future uh, because they are one of those really unique um, progressive bands in, in the metal scene that just has so many different sounds to them. You know, every album is unique. Every album is interesting. And the talent that has gone through that band is just incredible. Cool. Well, we will do one of those, uh, one of their episodes, or we will take one of our episodes and do them uh, in the future for sure. All right. So this week we have Sepultura, Arise versus Chaos AD. Now, Arise, we're going to do that first. Arise came out in 1991. It was produced by Scott Burns and Sepultura. It was mixed by Andy Wallace, which is important because he comes around again a little bit later. Uh, It was recorded at Morris Sound Recording Studios in Tampa, Florida, and it was released on Roadrunner Records. Um, Now, I I do want to note, Morris Sound is a really important studio for the early scene of death metal. Yes, I mean, very important. Everybody recorded there. Everyone. Yes, uh, and, and Scott Burns' Corpse, name is death. all over that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you're going to get some elements of early death metal in this this album. Absolutely. Um, and and even then, you could see the improvement in terms of sound. Um, if if any, you know, obviously people who are Sepultura fans are gonna are gonna know their albums and how they they sounded coming up to this these two records. And what's funny is that each album improved. Better got better and better sounding as they went along, mm-hmm. and even the, the two I think um, it was uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, I was going to say beneath the remains was done at more sound, but it wasn't done at more sound. But it was done by Scott Burns. I, I'm pretty sure. And um, the thing about that is, you know, Scott Burns' name is all over every death metal album that came out of Tampa, Florida. I mean, he was the premier producer and engineer for that style, for that sound, for that style, especially if it went through Morris sound. So, um, his stamp is everywhere. And I find it funny because I listened to a remix of one of the songs on this album that was done by him compared to the mix that was done by Andy Wallace on this album. I actually like Scott's better. Okay. Scott's version of the mix better than, than Andy's, and so that that kind of is is weird in a way because we'll talk more a little bit about Andy later on on KSAD. So, you want to go ahead and start this one off this time? Yeah, let's go. All right, so starting off, arise with the title track. Um, you, as you said, you can definitely hear this has better production. It's a more mature version of that raw sound that was on the previous album um and it's just cleaner overall it, it is it still has a rawness about it but it's it's not in that like the production itself is lacking you know it, it doesn't sound like it was recorded with inferior equipment so it it, it they definitely have uh you know picked up their game from the previous album which again, beneath the remains is amazing. So no fault to that. It's just the quality of production here is just so much better. Um, there's a more hardcore influence sound on this particular track. Uh, really aggressive vocals, heavy lyrics about humanity and people's willingness to kill each other, over, kill each other over just 
simple beliefs. So this is a really good start to the album. It's just heavy as hell and just kicks right from the beginning. I, I like Arise. Arise is cool. I mean, that's one of th- it's a, that's a th- really fine thrash metal song. It is very definitively a thrash metal song. Mm-hmm. It's got a really cool riff in it. Um, it's got a cool breakdown at the one thirty mark of the song, and it's got a really it's got a lot of really cool grooves, especially in the midsection. The only thing I can I, that I I would have to uh, take away from this particular song is I, I don't think the guitar solo fits very well into this song. Um, that's my opinion. There's just something that's a little bit off about the solo compared to the rest of the song because the rest of the song is such a good song, but to me, the solo just doesn't fit. And, you know, Andreas being such a good guitar player, and he does have solos that are much better on this album, but this one to me just doesn't seem to fit the the, the song itself. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I definitely feel like it doesn't fit, but it is one of the weaker solo solos on the album. So I definitely agree with you in that capacity. Um, there are much better solos, as we're going to see in the next few tracks. Mm-hmm. All right, so the second track is Dead Embryonic Cells. Uh, the song starts off with machine sounds and, like, metal hitting metal. It's a really cool effect. Uh, it sounds something almost like a production line. Uh, the guitar riffs go into like through several different phases, um, so it, it's it's actually changing riffs as it goes and evolving, which is a really cool effect. Like this this song to me is one of the stronger songs in the album. Um, when it goes into the vocals, uh, it's it's like apparently just really heavy thrash. Um, but it has some really cool melodic elements to it, too. So you're getting that influence from the Florida scene uh, kind of you know, penetrating into the album. Um, the lyrics are about how our generation, at least at the time, uh, and it, the, the, the concept kind of carries through even to now because it's about how the generation of the time and the future uh, are really being damaged by their ancestors, those that came before us, and we're having to live in this kind of ruined world. And I I can see that. You know, we we don't live in chaos, but at the same time, um, there are aspects of our world that are gradually more uh, destroyed, you know, from simple things like our water system. You know, I remember when when I was a kid, you could drink from a water hose, but now it's not safe to drink from water hose. Like there's so many things like that that you think about the ease of life that have decayed over time, and these lyrics fit that so perfectly. The, you know, I think if we all drank from water hoses, you know, that our immune systems would be so much better. <laughs> well, it, ha- it has less to do with immune systems and more to do with the, the chemicals that are in it that can actually harm you. So it's it's not even immune system. It's like, do you really want to drink radiation? You know. No, I was just, I was just joking when I said that. But it, it, it's it's one of those things. You know, it's like it's one of those things. I always say, you know, my my I I consider that I have a pretty good immune system. I don't get sick very often, even though I mm-hmm. recently, you know, caught COVID. But um, it's one of those things I always say, well, you know, I play baseball. I, I'm always, you know, chewing on some dirt or sitting on some dirty pine board that, you know, that 10,000 different people use. And, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just one of those weird things. 
But um, and it's safer to chew on a dirty old pine board than it is to drink the water out of our our water systems. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's just so weird. Anyway, back to the song. Uh, Dead embryonic cells. I like that song a lot. It's a really really catchy and groovy riff. Um, the verses are really melodic, even for for uh, Max's vocals. Um, the chorus has almost kind of got that call and response kind of feel to it. Um, so I, yep. I like that a lot. Um, the breakdown at, uh, riff at 325 of the song is really, really cool. And the solo on this song fits so much better. It is, it, it is perfect for this song. So it, it, you can see that the, you know, the solos are getting, you know, obviously we're two songs in, but it's a better solo. And you can tell that you know, everyone knows Andreas is a good guitar player. It's just you know, now, now we're seeing how he can put a solo into a song and make it fit properly. At least that's the way I feel. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. And and it is, you said it has that call and response feel. It's it's interesting because this does feel like a predecessor to a lot of later metal genres. So I, what I'm gathering from a lot of what, what Sepultura puts out from this album, Beneath the Remains, and uh, the, the, the next two albums there's a lot of Sepultura that kind of becomes an influence to a lot of later metal bands. It's really cool to see because you can definitely feel how impactful this band is. Oh, absolutely. We're just barely touching the surface here. All right, so track three is Desperate Cry. It starts off with a slow acoustic part but picks up the pace over the first two and a half minutes. Uh, building the story about a man who's about to die. The harmonic first guitar solo, while short, is just really great. I love that one. Uh, we return to the slow pace kind of midway through the track, and later there's a second guitar solo that has a really killer harmony. I love this one because it reminds me a lot of the, the Florida scene, like Death and uh, Massacre and some of the bands. Like This, this is a great solo. Um, and it has a lot of experimentation with with the pacing of the track, um, the the like the the way that they present stuff as far as um, kind of this underneath tone that you'll hear. So it's really one of those that you need to listen to, like maybe with your headphones on and your eyes closed to kind of get everything that's going on. Okay, I get that. Um... I haven't listened to it that way, but I understand what you're talking about. Um, I like this song. I mean, for me, it's got, you know, another catchy riff. Um, it's a little slower. Um, the song shifts to a faster riff, and then a quick solo, you know, gets thrown in there before it slows down again, and then it leads into a, a clean guitar part, which is pretty cool. Uh, the song then shifts again into a different catchy, chuggy riff. So there's a lot going on with the different riffs and the slowing down and the, and the, and the mm-hmm. picking up this pace. So there's a lot, yeah. a lot of stuff going on with Desperate Cry. Uh, and the funny thing is that all this stuff that I just described happens even before the halfway point of the song. So that's that tells you how much stuff is going on with the song. Um, so it's a really cool song. There's a lot to it. Um, it's it's you know it's one of the better tracks on the album. I would agree with that. All right, so track four is Murder. Uh, where Desperate Cry had some interesting tempo changes, Murder is just really consistent with a slower pace. The lyrics are about the Brazilian penal system. Uh, they appear to be the focus uh, here rather than kind of like the the musical aspects of it. It, it seems more built around the lyrics of the song. 
there's some really great bass guitar work here. Um, so definitely listen for what's going on with the bass. It's much more present than in some of the other tracks. And even though it's a simple song over, overall, um, the intricacy of what you're hearing underneath in the rhythm section is what I think is the, the highlight of the track. For me, this song is, is very similar to Arise. Um, but, and so there's, there's a lot of cool chugging riffs heading into the verse, um, mm-hmm. verse grooves with the riff. I like that a lot. And here's another example of, to me, you know, Andreas, as much as he's a good guitar player, he's, to me, he's not the most melodic guy out there. There's a lot of notes. There's a lot of, of good soloing, but to me, there's not a lot of melody in his solos. Um, but that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Not every guitar player is going to have a, a melodic solo. So, but um, that's just my takeaway from this particular song. So it's a cool song. I like it. Um, it's just, to me, it's, it's very reminiscent to Arise, although it does change, you know, there in the middle of the song. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, so the next track is Subtraction, uh, starting with a really interesting backward drum solo. So they recorded the drum solo and then played it in reverse. Um, the, the song just rips at a breakneck pace. Uh, one of, if not my favorite solo on the album, on, on this, this particular track, um, it's intricate and refined. It's just, it, it, you listen to the way that it's played. It's just so clean and mechanical almost, but in a, in a good way, not mechanical as in like, it just feels like a machine put it out. You listen to the, the intricacy and the way that it's played and you can just feel his fingers on the string. And that's what I love about it. Um, overall, it's a pretty simple track. Um, but it's, it's got a really interesting uh, lyrical content about how people are changed by money and power. I mean, it's it's a pretty standard story we've heard a thousand times, but right here it's presented really well. Yeah, and and for me, this song starts fast. It's a thrashy kind of song. goes into a quick little groove, and then it flips back to being thrash. Um, and I agree with you. The solo is excellent on this one it is probably his most memorable and most melodic solo on the album Mm -hmm. so i think that's that's really that's where he you know like i said he's a good guitar player so he can do it he shines through on this one really well and uh there's a second solo on it that he just piles a million notes into this little tiny space and and uh, that's that's when you don't need to be melodic that's when you just need obviously you don't want to be you know you you have to being key and do the things that you're supposed to do. And that is a, is a perfect example of just being able to do that, throw a million notes into a little tiny space and do it the right way. So I, I think, I think this song is, is, is not the, the best song on the album by any means. It's a straight up thrasher, but because of the solo, it does stand out that much better. Yeah. It, and, and I, understand exactly what you're saying where you said that a million notes in in a small space it does seem to be a kind of a hallmark of sepulter at least in this part of their career where there's these almost mini solos and i mentioned it uh earlier in one of the earlier tracks where it's just real short and sweet but it's also very like intricate in the in the, it's just a lot of notes exactly but but it works it's not just like ingray malmstein throwing out a thousand notes it's it's 
it's thought out. And I'm not saying Ingve is not thought out in this process, but um, what I mean is it's it's more deliberate in that sense. It's not just exploring the guitar. It still relates back to the track. Right. All right. So so track six is altered state. Uh, track starts off with some ambient sound and then South American percussion and a flute. So it's it's kind of conjuring this imagery. Uh, you're kind of feeling like this mystical sense. Um, and then it leads into one of the coolest, most evil riffs on the album. Um, I, I really love the intro to Altered State. I think it's one of the best, uh, more, most exploratory ones on the album. Um, probably... Probably my favorite track on the album, um, if not uh, the next one that we're going to talk about. Um, so Max sings a little bit more here, which is interesting. I think it's it's a little bit offset from anything else on the album. And uh, the lyrics are, are pretty simply about experimentation on the brain. Um, what I think really sets this one apart, too, is the South American influence that's, that's so heavy in the track. The one thing that I could say about um, Sepultura, <clears throat> and this is going to sound very punny, but they, with this album, they, they, they really, uh, have not adopted What's the word that I'm looking for? Embraced their history as Brazilians and their culture as Brazilians to, to incorporate that in their music. And it really shows up later on in Chaos AD, but it's, you start to see it here in this album a little mm-hmm. bit more. So that's the cool thing. They kind of definitely went away from the death and thrash to get to this point in their career. Uh, and Altered State is a slower, sludgy song, um, more mid-tempo. It's got a cool groove to it. And if, you, if you've listened to what I've said the last six songs you'll notice that there's the word groove is, is a lot, is used a lot, and I'm using it a lot. So, um, and we'll talk about that more later. Um, so the, the, the thing that's really cool what, that I like about this song is got the, those dub, double bass drum spots that add that extra layer of heaviness in between the verses, and it has that hint of tribalism with the way the drums are played and the, and the, and the percussion that's in this song. Um, Again, Andreas solo, probably one of his simplest solos that he's done. Um, doesn't play a million notes. It's very controlled and it's very precise and it, and it works really well with this song. Yeah, it fits perfectly in this song. I, I really think this is one of the best crafted songs on the album. I agree with that. All right, so that takes us to track seven, Under Siege. This is a really different track from anything else that's on here. It starts off slow with blasting drum beats, so it's contrasting this kind of acoustic opening with this just pounding drum. It's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, the the There's this ghostly vocal effect that kind of chants that leads into the guitar riff, and the guitar just kind of plods along at this this slow pace. So there's a lot going on in just a short amount of time. Um, it's 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 very um, it it just makes you think a lot as you're listening to it, which is cool. I mean, I I think that's one of of the things about uh, Sepultura that stands out to me is that there are a lot of thoughts going on, but they the way that they interweave them just kind of leads your mind in all these different directions, but keeps it also on task. Like it's, it's not just, it's not just leading to chaos. Um, it's, 
it's allowing you to kind of explore all of the music aspects. Um, so the lyrics cover how most people have their beliefs kind of forced upon them as children and they don't have the right to choose. And I think that's a really interesting and important topic of, of, you know, questioning things and bringing things up that maybe you've been told something your whole life, like kind of go back and analyze it. That's what I love about all these lyrics is that they are so deep and uh, you have to kind of think about them. I, I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the lyrical content on this album. Uh, and the only reason why is that I've never been one like I'll read the lyrics on albums when I try to, to to get into the songs and stuff like that, but I've never been one to really absorb certain lyrics from certain bands. Um, I enjoy the music as a whole overall, and I know my job on this on this show is to kind of delve into all of that. But a lot of times, you know, this the, I I still do the same thing when I'm even you know listening to the songs for to review them. Is I just get so deep into the song. That I'm not I'm not overly concerned with the with the words or the lyrics unless I know the song and it's it's one of these songs where I've like I've known it for years, um, but I like what what Sepultura has been going on. They've always been a for for lack of a better term they've always been some sort of political band and mostly and not like Rage Against the Machine political, um, but political in terms of trying of their cultural awareness about world awareness and things like that. And I, I like that about them because they, they combine it with their style and their thought process as opposed to being like in your face, uh, you know, this side versus that side type of, of politicalization of, of lyrics. Um, so so in depth wise, I, I don't get all the lyrics, but I don't, but I do like when I listen to them, I do understand what it is that they're talking about. That being said, this song under siege, this is a trippy song. Um, almost one where, you know, you, there's parts of it that are real, real, real trippy. You know, if you were under the influence, it'd be really, really cool. Um, and it's still cool regardless of whether you're, you're under the influence or not. But, um, this is a slower, sludgier song, and um, it finds a groove right about the one and a half minute mark, and then it picks up the pace from there in the verse. In between verses, it goes back to that trippiness. So the trippiness kind of kind of ebbs and flows throughout the, the song, and um, that's for you, Matt, by the way. And so there's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, quick parts trip parts, quick parts, trip parts throughout the song. Pretty cool. I like that. But overall, this this song really doesn't do it for me as far as, you know, a, a cohesive song. It is just, I guess, too much trippiness for me. That's just not my, my gig, my bag. <laughs> gotcha. I, I really like it. And I, I just want to say something like you, you, you do bring up the groove that's added here. It, what's interesting is there is a groove. Um, but it's not, I would not call this a groove metal album. I would say this, this is very prototypical and understated in the sense of groove. And what's, what's cool is you'll see that evolution from a rise to chaos AD and then even further into roots, that groove that's, that's added to the band. Like this is very 
elementary early groove. So that is the one thing that's really cool. Like this is this is at the beginning of the the groove metal era. Yep. All right. So track eight, meaningless movements. Um, the the pace picks up from the last track. Uh, so we we're getting a more consistently even track from uh, what we had going on with Under Siege. Kind of the same thing that I mentioned earlier, where you know there's they they experiment and they want to you know go to that next level, but then they kind of bring it back to um, the more simple aspects of of the, their music. Um, the song appears to be about uh, kind of seeing beyond the words of those in power uh, and that sit above us in, in in society and reading between the lines, reading between the lies. So it, it's pretty it's pretty topical today, I would say. You know, we're, we're I think we're more aware of of how our politicians speak to us and and where we sit in our society than ever before. And this is these lyrics just really resonate with today. Um, the solo is pretty good, uh, but it's kind of hard to follow up a track like Under Siege. So um, I think it's it's one of those that I like, but it's it's more kind of in the middle than some of the other tracks. I can I can relate with that. Um, for me, I think that it's got a real cool riff. I love the the, the start stop portion of that riff and how 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 they you know they do that in the song. Um, they use the same riff. Uh, to groove in the verse, which is pretty cool. Um, and the solo is really cool. It's a little flashy. It shows off a few techniques that Andreas doesn't typically use. So that's pretty cool about the solo. And then after the solo, the song gets a little more thrashy, but it still has that little groove element in, the, in uh, sitting behind it. So this song is not bad. Um, but again, you're getting towards the end of the album. So it's that point where you're kind of like already ready to be done with it, you know, type of thing. But the song is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the final track is Infected Voice. Uh, the song is breakneck and just has this feeling of anxiety. It, it It is taking you on a chaotic journey. And it really, like, it's one of those that you have to listen to a couple times. And I've mentioned where there, like, there's a lot of thoughts going on musically in some of the other tracks. This is the most uh, apparent of, of that concept where... There, it's it's taking your mind in lots of directions. There's this, you know, blinding speed uh, of the rhythm section, and then there's an offset, kind of slower paced guitar riff going on towards the beginning. Um, the song is about the fear of making wrong choices, and it's matching and meshing so well with the musical content. So it just it really works. It, I think it's a great finish to the album. This is just a straight up thrasher, uh, almost beginning to end. Um, it's not until the middle of the song where you got any sort of groove that's put into the song, but it goes right back into the thrash. I, you know, it's one of those things where you know we that's what we looked for when we would, when, when when someone would pick up the you know the next Metallica album. You wanted that last song, you know, whether it was Metal Militia or whether it was. Um, uh, Damage Incorporated or Dyer's Eve, those songs closed out Metallica albums. You wanted something like that. And that's kind of what you're getting here. You're getting a song just going all out. And as as cool as that is, I mean, for, you know, you that's what you want. You, so Sepultura pulled it off on here and they just said, here we go, boom. You know, and they kind of went back to their thrash roots and, and just laid it all out right there. 
Mm-hmm. So all in all, I would say this is this is really another landmark thrash album. Um, it's got some heavy death metal influences because of where it was recorded and where the band kind of came from with their death metal origins. Um, but this is this is the, the a really interesting album in that you're getting groove, thrash, death metal. You're getting all these elements together, and you can see it's kind of like that hinge point between a lot of different uh, genres of metal. So it's really cool. You can see where they've influenced a lot of bands that would come later on in in the history of metal, and it was a huge release for the band. Uh, This was was the album that kind of brought them worldwide attention it was the first time they'd ever hit the billboard charts it it was the first time they'd really made any kind of impact in some of the asian countries so like this this was uh, a huge album and it's really considered by a lot of of major bands a lot of musicians to be one of the the biggest albums that was an influence in thrash and extreme metal so it is a it's a very important album in the metal scene uh, this this album established Sepultura as more than just a thrash band. They had depth. They had an understanding of more than just death and thrash. And and the to me, it's you know they, it may the percentages may not be right, but I call this like a fifty fifty between a thrash and a groove. Uh, you know, you throw in some some death elements in there that they always that they always had. But this is, you see them beginning to move away from the thrash in this album and go into that groove orientation. And, you know, being 1991, this is a year after Cowboys from Hell from Pantera came out. Um, so there's, there's this thing that's building between them and Pantera as the, 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 per, the, um, I guess, the innovators and and the beginning of groove metal is starting, and these two, Pantera and Sepultura, are basically leading the way. And you know, each album that that Sepultura has recorded up to this point kept getting more and more mature. And you 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 can tell that there's more to come. That this is building up to something bigger and better. Um, so I really, really enjoy the album for that because you, I knew what came after that. So that's the really cool part because you're like, all right, yeah, you can see this build from, from, you know, schizophrenia to beneath the remains to arise. You can see them just growing and growing and getting better and better. And, you know, we're going to talk about chaos AD in a minute and it just, it, it culminates with these, you know, their next two albums uh, in the max era, we'll put it that way. So that's that's the really cool thing. And then one other cool thing I wanted to talk about with this album, um, it has you know if you get the reissue, it has a bonus track. But back in the day, um, there was basically the single for a rise that came out, or was no, uh, or was dead embryonic cells. One of the two, they were they had the same um, bonus tracks because they didn't really have much as far as b-sides and so they only release what they release and and the album covers were very similar they just made an alter an alteration they kind of zoomed in on a portion of the album cover to to make to give it the single cover but they did a really really cool version of orgasmatron that was released uh as on the b-side of the single and so if anyone out there gets you know the bonus track on the cds or you want to listen to it on streaming orgasmatron is really cool to listen to yeah it's a great cover 
Um, I did want to say um, I don't necessarily agree with the 50-50 split. I think it's more like a 60-40. Yeah, I, I, I didn't and know it, what the percentages really were, so I had to throw it out as a 50-50. Yeah, because I, I, I think I feel like this one's 60-40 more in the favor of Thrash, whereas what we're going to get with Chaos ID, I almost feel like is is 70-30 in the favor of Groove. Absolutely. So, I, I get that. I totally yeah. understand what you're saying with that. Um, for sure. So. All right, so now that brings us to Chaos AD, and um, Chaos AD was released in 1993, so it was two years after Arise. It was produced and mixed by Andy Wallace, and the reason I brought that up is on Arise was because if you listen to the mix on Chaos AD compared to the mix that's on Arise, it's like night and day better on Chaos. It, the, there's the drums. Are hit so much harder the snare drum is so much more in your face but yet everything is so crystal clear on this album that it, it makes you wonder how why is it not sound that way on arise and i can tell you part of the reason why part of the reason why is budget and time and and how much they can they can put into it to get that there was a lot bigger budget on this because they signed a distribution deal with sony epic music uh I say Sony. It was Epic Music, but it's distributed by Sony. And so that threw a lot more money into the budget. So uh, you can see Andy Wallace stepped up his game when it came to producing and, and mixing this album. Uh, it was recorded at Rockfield Studios and Chepstow Castle in Wales. Um, so it was in a recording studio. Rockfield Studios is a really uh, famous recording studio out in Wales. And they also went over to a, a castle Chepstow Castle and recorded some parts there. I don't know. I didn't catch the history of what they did there, but that's pretty cool just to be able to go to a castle and record some some parts. And it was released on Roadrunner Epic Records. All right, so Chaos AD is the next step in the ever-evolving musical career of Sepultura. The first song on this album is Refuse Resist. Um, in my opinion, you can immediately tell that the production is better on this album. Um, the song itself is a mid-tempo, kind of sludgy with a lot of tribalism in it, um, a lot of percussion, extra percussion. Um, Sepultura added another element to their songwriting and embraced their roots, no pun intended. Uh, as, as I mentioned before, they, meant they had a, embraced it on a rise and they really just show their Brazilian heritage on this album a lot. So that's something that that, that uh, you'll notice throughout the album. Um, the song to me is awesome. I love the riff. I love the chant of the chorus. I love the riff and tempo changes and the breakdown and the solo part. This song has got it all. It's really, really cool. And I have a little story to say before you give your opinion on it. But when I, listened, when I went to see Sepultura in concert um, back in 1995... Right before Roots came out, this was the end of the Chaos AD tour. This was probably the craziest concert I have ever been to. As the show started and you heard the introduction, uh, it was Refuse Resist. You heard the heartbeats that were playing and you heard the little tribal drums come on. As soon as the guitars hit... I had to basically hold on to any railing that I could find for my life because the mosh pit was the entire floor of this 
small venue, but you know, you and I have been to the warehouse live. So if you go to the main warehouse live venue and just think about the entire floor. So we're probably talking what, maybe uh, 30 feet across by maybe 50 feet deep back and forth, maybe 60 feet deep. The entire floor was people slam dancing and body slamming into each other the whole song. I was like holding on to a bar for my life. It was crazy. It was insane. I hadn't seen anything like that since I had seen uh, wow. that I, since I ran for my life when the pit opened up for ministry at Lollapalooza. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, what's your thoughts on this song? Well, I wanted to actually kind of mention this because I thought it was a really cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the name of the song was taken off of the jacket of a Black Panther uh, that uh, uh, Max actually was on a su- subway in, in New York. And he saw this guy and on the back of his jacket, it said, refuse, resist. And he just thought that was a really cool concept and, and just, you know, ripped it right from the, the, the Black Panther guy's jacket. So... Um, pretty interesting, uh, that, you know, where it came from. Uh, one thing that I really want to note here is you said like the production is so much better and you can really hear every instrument. And I think that's what's so much better about the previous two albums. I mean, than the previous two albums, uh, because I, as much as I love Arise and I love, uh, Beneath the Remains, the production is just not even close to as good. Um, so you're getting like the bass very present and, and the bass work is amazing. So I love that about this album. Uh, the it, song is just empowering. You know, it, you, you can't help but like want to fist, you know, like, like just raise your fist in the air, you know, in, in, in defiance. Like it's just such a good track. Um, the South American percussion that you mentioned, like it's at the beginning and the ending of the, of the track. It's just such a nice touch that really brings this back to where the band is from and what their influences are. It, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great song and there's so much more to come on this. And that being said, uh, territory is the next song on the album. And I love the drum intro on this song, the whole you know, again, tribalism that they that they embraced. Um, the beginning of the song is really cool. Then it turns into this slow, sludgy verse, uh, heavy riff. The chorus is slow, but yet, you know, it's just sludgy and heavy and right in your face. Uh, in between the first and second verse, they do a repeat of the intro with that flat, that fast, thrashy intro. So that's pretty cool. And then it kind of breaks down again into that slow, sludgy part throughout the rest of the song. Territory... You know, when I first heard it, I didn't really, I didn't really like it that much because I'm like, oh, it goes so slow. But then you realize, you know, how impactful that slow and sludginess part of the song's song is. It is, it is so heavy, and you know, to 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 go from such a fast intro to that slow sludgy sludgy thing throughout the song, it, it's a unique little style because there's really not a lot to the intro that you say, oh, this is a fast song. It starts off pretty quick. But then it just it, it it just dives down into that slow and sludgy part. To me, that it, that makes this song extremely unique. Yeah, I, I mean, it starts off with that rhythmic drum beat, like you said, and it just like demands you to headbang. It, it it's so cool. Um, the early thrash riff, I think, like it just leads into that that 
sludginess that you you said like the it's just a groove it's just an elementary groove like there this is this is a song that defines what a groove is you know and uh i you know the 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 guttural cry that max lets out of one more territory like you just listen to it and it's just like there's this kind of uh thickness like almost like um like you can hear the like the blood curdling sound that's coming from his throat and it's just awesome like this is a great track um what i what i have to mention is the lyrics are about the tactics that are used by governments uh world leaders to kind of allow for people to indulge in in cultural i'm sorry in territorial conflict basically the manipulation of people in power of the people below them to believe that they need to fight other people can you not tell me that's not topical today there's so much on this album that is topical today it's insane to think about so it's it's that it's it's so weird how you know we're 30 years later. I mean, this album was so 28 years later. And yet, the as much as technology has changed and how advanced we've become as society, nothing's changed. You know, politicians are the same. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the basis behind politics is the same. It's amazing how we've gone this far. We've come 28 years later. And shit hasn't changed, but I think I think as a whole, maybe we're more aware of it than we've ever been. So. Well, yes, we're more aware because of the internet, and, you know, mm-hmm. like twenty-four hour news and all that happy. But other shit. than that, nothing's changed. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, the, it's the same. You know, Democrats hate Republicans, and and this is this is just in the United States. In the world, the same. This is the same thing. Not a lot has changed. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's still you know. Uh, you know, problems with, with the rainforest. There's still problems with the climate. And it's just constantly the same stuff we talk over and over again. We know more about it, yet we do less about it. it it's it's insane to think about how nothing really, as in the grand scheme of things, has changed very much in 28 years. Mm-hmm. So, from this, since, since this album came out. It's, it's crazy. <clears throat> All right. So, the next song is Slave New World. Um, what I like about this song is got a isolated riff intro that turns into this killer groove. I mean, it's just, it's got a groove. It's got a chug to it. Uh, the song slows down into the bridge, maintains a cool groove throughout the rest of the song. Um, the solo at the 215 mark shows the slows the song down a bit, but the last verse goes back into that killer groove and, from there, the, the first first, um, I'm sorry, it goes into that killer groove, which is very similar to the first verse, with, and then the song ends from there. I like the song a lot. Um, it was, you know, it came out as a single. They released a bunch of B-sides with it. So it, it, there was a lot with this song. So it, I, I like the song a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those really great sludgy grooves. Uh, lyrics about fighting censorship. I mean, it was it, especially for the time period uh, where music was being censored. I mean, this was this was an important topic. So it, it is. It's a really good song. I think it's one of the standouts on the album. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next song is "Amen," 
which is a, another slow, sludgy song, very similar to territory sludginess. Um, I don't know. There's to me, there's there's not a lot to this song. I could be wrong. Um, it's a it's it's a cool riff with that regards, you know, and it's got that chugginess to it. But um, for me, it's just a, it's just the fourth song in the album for whatever reason. There's not a lot to it. There's not a lot of depth for me in this song. Um, this is one of those that I I hear. Uh, there's an influence on later music. Uh, there's some metal or there's some death metal kind of um, vocals that I would hear on later bands like In Flames. Uh, a lot of the Scandinavian bands would kind of draw from some of the the effects that are going on here. So it it does have some interesting uh, aspects to it that I can see maybe influence lots of later bands. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think it's kind of a kind of middling track. Exactly. Um, then, then it even slows it down even more on this album with the next song, which is Kiowas, which is basically an acoustic instrumental song. Um, and it's not even instrumental in terms of all the instruments. It is a drum song. Um, all four members of the band play different percussion instruments on this song. Um, and it was a song that they thought um, they would never play live, um, but they saw a a show of another band, I'm trying to think who that was, that played their song uh, live in concert that was also some similar to that very big percussion song. And they tried it and they realized it did work. And apparently Sepultura has not stopped playing Kaiwas in concert since this point. So that's pretty cool. I, I like it in that it feels like a bridge between the first half and the second half of the album. Um, it, especially like when we get into the next track, uh, I think there's a pretty important like separation between the first half and the second album or second half of the album. Exactly. You kind of introduced the song for me a little bit. Propaganda. It's a really, really cool song. Has this little kind of siren-like intro. And then it goes into this blistering, heavy, double bass drum part. Um, but So I like the song a lot. And then it has a really, really... It has a bunch of really cool riffs in it. Um, the vocal melody is really good, uh, as is the chorus melody. So there's a lot of... You know, Max's singing on this is... You know... Uh, He's got a lot of melody in his, not in his, necessarily in his voice, but in the in the way he, you know, performs his the lyrics. Um, the solo is melodic; it fits the song perfectly. So there's a lot of good things with the song. I like the song a lot. Uh, probably one of the best songs in the album, if, if in my opinion. Well, yeah, like you said, it starts off with that alarm at the beginning, which is. It, I think there's there's another kind of alarm later on, but it has a different tone, and I I kind of want to discuss it more later at that point when we when we talk about that song. Um, but it really hits you with this like hard and ripping thrash pace. Um, I would say this is this is more of a return to like the thrash of the previous album where we've had a lot of groove, like heavy heavy groove in the first half, and now we're we're getting more of a thrash track. It's a bit more straightforward with the, its approach to lyrics than uh, meaningless movements, but it has a very uh, similar topic. So it's a really good track. I, I agree. I like this one. It's one of the best ones on the album. Absolutely. 
Uh, I mean, it, so much so, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little preview here. I couldn't figure out between this and two other songs on this album which ones to put in my big four. So nice. There you go. <laughs> All right, the next song is Biotech is Godzilla. Uh, this song goes back to Sepultura's speed thrash metal roots with a little tinge of punk added in there. Um, it does have a catchy chorus. It's just one word, biotech, repeated over and over again. And then at the end of the fourth line, it has a little phrase that it go it, it repeats. And it doesn't actually repeat the same phrase every time. Each time the end of the chorus comes, it has a different phrase. Um, but it's still... A, a little catchy line at the end. Um, it's got a very cool solo. Now, this is where I was going to talk to you a little bit about um, this song. The unfortunate part about this song for me, Jello Biafra is the one who wrote the lyrics. Um, he is the former singer of the Dead Kennedys. Um, uh, so this was a, a combined effort between Jello and and, uh, and Sepultura and Max. Um, I understand artists have the ability as artists you know, artists and their artistic ventures. And when they write, you know, they have, they have artistic liberty to write whatever words they want to write. Um, in, in writing a song like this, the, this, this song was based on conspiracy theories that were happening around that time in 19, in the early 1990s. And for me, it's a little bit sad and disheartening because it, it's very reminiscent to today that it, that there's a lot of, disinformation on this uh on the lyrics to this song or not actually the lyrics to the song but the 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 basis behind the lyrics to this song put it that way um so to think that this happened in 1993 before the internet before you know information was widely available um it is to me is sad and disheartening um if it happened today it'd probably be a more controversial song than it was back in 1993, but it is it is a song where you know they're 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 putting blame uh, or not blame, but they're they're accusing George Bush, and I believe it's his senior at the time. They're they're accusing George Bush of basically sending people to Brazil, um, you know, to to be tested and, and, and put germ tests and bacteria tests on human beings and using them as guinea pigs and you know even even things to do with AIDS and, and kind of just using people as human guinea pigs to, to, to test all these different diseases and things like that and I just I I, I don't know it, it's it's very similar to the conspiracy theories that we're listening to now with QAnon and all that stuff and it's really weird and I can't stand it and that that's what, you know, I like the song a lot, but then to find out after, you know, 28 years that this is what that song is about and this is, you know, the depth of that of that song is to me is sad and disheartening. And I'm just, I, I, I hate to bring it everything down at this point, but this is what I, you know, it, it, it hurt me to know that this is what happened with, or this is why that song was was created because there was some conspiracy theories that Jello had personally uh, read about, I guess you could say, and and even in some cases, Max says that he he uh, that Jello took place took part in some conferences that were 
you know, basically talking about these types of things. And it's kind of just messed up to me. Yeah, I can I can see that. I didn't really know that story beforehand. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of interesting considering how simplistic the song is. Right, you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's why the song that part where it says biotech is AIDS, you know, is because Jello had this thing that you know that they were that that AIDS was created in the laboratory, almost very similar to how a lot of people uh, today think that uh, you know COVID nineteen was created and released from a laboratory in China, you know, and and there's you know there's proof that it hasn't been that it wasn't that way, but certain people don't want to believe that. So, you know, you have to go with whatever you believe as, as, a, as a human. And it's the same thing with the, the lyrics for this song. So to know that Max was influenced by that, you know, and then allowed it to be part of his song, it, that's why I was kind of like, oh, man, I really like this song. I, th- this is why I don't, I try not to listen to lyrics. That's why I don't <laughs> care about the freaking lyrics, you know, because it just throws the song off. For th- 28 years, I loved this song until today. You know, it's well, that, like, I mean, that it. being said, you know, it, it is important to question things. And, and even though we are presented with facts sometimes, um, there is, is a lot of validity to even questioning what we are presented as facts. So, um, you know, I, it doesn't bother me. But at the same time, like it, it does add an interesting dimension to the song. So um, it does. I think I think it's pretty cool. Um, all right. anyway um so that's enough of my rant there for today um the next song is nomad it's a really cool slow sludgy song it's got some heavy chunky riffs in it um the song picks up the tempo around a two minute and eight second mark and gets a little more groovy and then it goes back to its initial riff before the solo um it's cool it's it's uh sludgy there's a, a lot of repetition with the chorus you know when he repeats nomad over and over again um so, and, and this is one, I do know a little bit about the lyrics on this song. This is about the Brazilian tribes that, that where they keep basically taking their land away from them and, you know, turning these tribes into nomads because they have to keep traveling throughout the country to find another piece of land to, to basically put their tribe on. And then, you know, then someone else gets kicked out of, of, a, of, of their land because they, of, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, expansion or, you know, it's, uh, modernization, whatever you want to call it. But the, the, for, the poor unfortunate thing is that these people keep getting moved out of their land. So um, that's what this song is about. Yeah, it, it, this is the other track that I feel it, it starts off with kind of an alarm sound. Um, that I mentioned before, and but it's a different alarm. It, it almost feels more aggressive and less defensive. It's almost like there's this building up of of hate and aggression, and that makes sense with the lyrics uh, because you know it it does have this kind of brutal feel. And when I'm listening to this song, honestly, it makes me feel like I want to get into a bar fight. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. All right. Um... I better not take you to any bars and and play some Sepultura. <laughs> uh, anyway, the next song is "We Are Not as Others." Um, in this song, um, it starts off with an isolated some some isolated heavy chords before the whole band joins in. Um, it turns into a real s- slow and sludgy song, um, and the title is chanted 
throughout the song in, in certain parts. The song, for the most part, is an instrumental until they put in these little parts of the of the what they would what I would consider the chorus. They're just repeating the title of the song, um, so there's not much to it. There are no other lyrics other than that in the song. So um, again, it's it's a it's it's a okay song in that regards, but you realize that essentially this is supposed to be an instrumental. So yeah, I mean, I think it's a good track. Uh, you know, the guitar work is is pretty good. As far as like the the overall, you can tell like that's the focus. Um, but we are we who are not as others is repeated over and over, like you said, and that that kind of ties into a, a a common theme that appears in a lot of their tracks, which is individuality. So I think it's a good track. I, I enjoy it. Okay, and then now the the next song is a call a song called Manifest, uh, which to me it, it's reminiscent of songs from Arise. Uh, it's got some groove oriented parts mixed in with some thrash parts. Um, so it goes a minute and 47 seconds before words are even sung. So you're almost halfway through the song before you get the first words of the song. So you were beginning to think it was instrumental. Um, it's light on the lyrics, however, so it's mostly heavy on riffs and grooves. Um, so it's, uh, how can you say it? It's almost like an extension of we who are not as others, where you know there's not a lot of words. I, I'm beginning to think at this point of the album, you know, Max is, is like ran out of lyrical ideas, <laughs> you know. So, um, but it's uh, it's still a, a you know it's got that groove and, and thrash element, so it's a pretty decent song. Yeah, um, it's got that like what I would say is newscast vocals. You know, like they're they're it's telling a story of the. Uh, Karandiru massacre where 111 prisoners were killed in a prison revolution it's defined as a really great human rights uh, uh, violation in the history of South America so it has a really heavy topic um, and it, it really highlights one thing that I've I've noticed about this album versus the previous albums is that the lyrics here in in chaos CD are typically much more straightforward and they they say exactly what they are, whereas they were more poetic in the earlier albums. So that that's that's kind of one of the highlights of, of what I would say is part of their their groove period as a band, um, is that the lyrics are just much more, you know, hit you over the head straightforward. Yes, absolutely. Um, they with this whole album, I mean, you can see that that Sepultura has kind of broken out of their shell mm -hmm. you know and they, they were going to be more in your face about things from this point forward um the next song on the album is called the hunt which is a cover of the new model army song um sepultura does great covers and this is another one of those great covers um i like how they cover songs they they obviously put a lot of their own influences into the songs but they still kind of hold true to the original version of the song so there's there's that to it you know there's very similar to how um when kiss released their tribute album they said that they didn't want to have a song that was that was an identical replica of their song but they wanted the bands to put their influence in it and the the closest song to that would kind of being a replica would be she 
that Anthrax did, but yet Anthrax did it so much heavier than Kiss that you could tell that it was Anthrax's influences on that song that made it their own, even though it's almost, you know, note for note version of of uh, the original, except at the end they put in um, the solo breakdown, the, the live solo breakdown that, they, that, that Kiss had on it. Mm-hmm. They put, they included that on their version, but yet, Again, note for note, riff for riff is the same song. Um, they even sing, you know, the melody and everything's identical, but they had, it's so much heavier that it, 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 it made it their own song. It made it an Anthrax song. And that's the same way with The Hunt and, and any other song that Sepultura covers. They did Black Sabbath Symptom of the Universe. They threw in their own little influences, their own little bit of tribalism in there, but yet it was still, you could tell it's Symptom of the Universe. So that that's what, is cool about the way Sepultura cover songs. Yeah, absolutely. Or covers songs. Yeah, this is an odd one on the scope of the album because it's a really catchy song. Um, but, it, you know, it fits in. I think I think one, one of the hallmarks of this album is that everything here is very unique. And uh, in that capacity, it doesn't, it doesn't stand out as, as a sore thumb or anything. It just, it, it's just kind of different. You know, it's, it's catchy. Yeah, it's a it's a punky song, so it's pretty cool. All right, the last song on the album is "Clenched Fist." Um, there's some interesting riffing that that begins the song and the verses, and it's got a lot of grooves in between. Um, I, you get to the end of the album, and you get you get a series of these kinds of songs, like you know, we are not as others we who are not as others manifest clenching fists it's definitely a, a track that belongs at the end of an album or belongs towards the middle end of an album i i don't have a lot more to say about the song because it's just it was the end of the album <laughs> i think it's kind of like tradition with with sepulcher to end the album on a really frantic uh, anxiety-filled song, and that's exactly what this one is. It's in the same vein as uh, as Infected Voice. This is this is like this is anxiety that the track, you know, it, it's like it's so full of warning, and like I just feel like you know something crazy's going on, and you got to look around you to make sure you you know you're not gonna die or something. Like <laughs> it's it's really cool, you know, but it's it's one of those like this is the the final track that you know takes us out of the album. Exactly. Um, so my my take on Chaos AD before we finish talking about Chaos AD, uh, one thing to note about this album: this is the first album that Paolo plays bass on, which is amazing to think that they already released four previous song, four previous albums. And this is the first time that Paolo actually plays bass on an album. Yeah. Um, so my take on chaos AD is that when you think, when you think about it as a whole compared to Arise and compared to beneath the remains and schizophrenia, morbid visions, this is not the same band that did morbid visions, you know, uh, seven years earlier but it is and you can see the maturity they were teenagers when they did more revisions and they matured into this band that really were very thoughtful and very insightful and wanted to basically make their voice known because they're brazilian and they wanted to make people understand and hear the problems of brazil and the problems of the world and what their take was it 
it was. And it really, really stands out with Chaos AD, but you can see that it was building to that point. Um, Chaos AD, beautifully produced. It, the songs are, are just, from beginning to end, it's almost, you know, a an absolutely ideal song, or excuse me, ideal album for what they wanted to put out at that time. And that that's why this album works so well for them. And it is a huge jump from one from Arise to Chaos AD. And it's that's why this album literally broke them in the United States. Epic put a ton of money behind it. And so you can see the grad the, the gradual increase from Arise to this one and how they did improve. So it's really cool in that regards. Yeah, I, I mean this is this is where you can kind of see the evolution between where we were talking about with Arise and their earlier albums even to where they went with Roots and just that evolution of the band. This is the midpoint, but it's it, to me it's it's one of the high points in their career, if not the high point in their career. Um, the South American influence is just so prevalent and in the best way because they're still at this point, like with Roots, they went – kind of way off in a different direction becoming uh more heavy metal and groove um and getting away from that thrash metal um so this is this is that midpoint like of of they're still a thrash metal band they still have some death influences uh but they've now introduced groove and they've fully embraced their culture into the album and i i love it for that reason um the diversity is what kind of binds the album together because rather than the consistency of a rise where everything fits together because it's a consistent album, um, it has the diversity that makes every track feel important and kind of a standout. So there's a difference there where you've got a rise, which is, is, you know, dependable and, and, Everything feels cohesive because of the style of writing, whereas this one is much more exploratory and interesting um, in that they've they've really explored more of, of, of the genre as a whole, um, but they've made every track important in its own way, and therefore it binds it together. Absolutely. I completely agree with, with what you just said, and... So to sum up the two albums, what's your take? Which is the better album, in your opinion? I mean, as much as I love Arise and I love the early stuff, um, there's just something about Chaos AD that really makes it stand out from everything else in their discography. Uh, I think it, to me, like I said, it's the high point of their career. I think Roots took the idea of of Groove even further. But for my you know, sensibilities. I think they took it too far with roots. Um, and I, and I just really love the direction that they took with chaos AD there. You know, this, it's interesting to me that I would prefer the more straightforward lyrics over the, the more poetic lyrics. But I think the reason why is there's an aggressiveness that's brought to it. Like it's, it's almost more like the testosterone fueled than the previous album and i think for that reason the the production the exploratory nature the fact that they really embrace their culture and brought it into the music i think it just makes it a better album 
Agreed. Um, so this is two weeks in a row that we agree on the fact that one particular album is better than the other. One thing I do have to say about this album and my experience with Sepultura is I, I had never really heard Sepultura before I picked up Chaos AD. Um, I had seen the album covers from working at the record store and I, you know, because they were on road runner or road racer, whichever out, whichever one was at the time. And, you know, they had the same, uh, gory, um, kind of album covers or, or skulls or whatever you wanted to see. And they were all done in Tampa or they were done, you know, by, by Scott Burns. I lumped them into the same category as, all the other death metal bands. So when I was given this copy of this album, uh, it was uh, it was very enlightening to me to realize that they weren't like that. But then I found out historically they were. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of weird. This album was so different, you know, from what I thought that they were, and it was different because I think a lot of fans were kind of like, wow, this is not the same band that I used to know. So it's one of those things where they grew so much and it was such a, a, a light years ahead of, uh, or light years of, of a jump from where they were. Uh, and I, I love this album. It's one of my favorite albums that's, that's out there right now. So cool. We agreed again. So that brings us to this week's big four Sepultura songs. Uh, I went first last week, so why don't you go ahead and go first this week? All right. Um, so my number four comes from Beneath the Remains. Uh, it's my favorite track from that album, which is Primitive Future. Um, it's 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 a really good track. It really shows that early stage of um, kind of where they were very raw, but also, there was a lot of depth to the quality of music. It's got a really awesome death metal solo. Um, so it's, I think it's one of those those tracks that really represents the early years of the band very well and their formative uh, uh, stage of their career. Uh, for my number three, I've got Territory off of Chaos AD. I, th- I just think like... When I think back to that one, it, it's just such a sludgy groove. I, I consider this to be one of the prototypical uh, uh, and elementary versions of of groove. And it just, it's, you can't really get much better when it comes to groove, honestly. Um, and then Max's vocals here are just so um, angry and just... Uh, almost primitive like just that that guttural sound that's coming out of like you just really listen to the way he's screaming territory you just feel like it's just blood curdling and i love it uh my number two is altered state off of arise i mentioned before it was my favorite track on the album uh i love that evil riff uh, I love the percussion and the flute. There's just this is the the one of the earliest examples of them really embracing their culture and putting it into the music. And I think it stands out as the standout track on the album, in my opinion, uh, even more so than Arise. Arise is is a is a staple in their career, but um, I think Altered State just really outclasses it. It's it to me the best song on the album. Um, and then for my number one. 
Uh, you know, it's it's going to be cliche, but I got to go with Refuse Resist. It's just such a, a a landmark track. It's it's one of those that just gets stuck in your head, and you can't deny how good of a track it is. Um, it's you know, it's one of those stand up against authority when when they're wrong. And, you know, the the video really shows that. It shows the Tiananmen Square incident, um, one of the bravest beings that ever lived on this planet. And it's it's represented so well. I, 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 I can't deny that even though it's it's the cliche pick for their their best song. There's a reason for that. Yeah, there's a reason for that because it's a damn good song. <laughs> so, um I like your list. Uh, we're at 50-50 on this list. I have two songs from your list on my list. Nice. All right. So my number four song is Dead Embryonic Cells that's off of Arise. Um, I just I, I just like a, all the aspects of that song. I mean, just the groove on it, the, you know, the, the thrash parts on it. You know, it's it's the melody on, on the vocals and the verse. It's pretty cool, you know, with the chanting verse. I mean, excuse me, the chanting chorus and stuff like that. So, um, there's a lot to like about that song. So that's why it's my number four song. Um, my number three song is territory. Um, for the same reasons that you like it and the same reason it's just, a, it's so cool. I love the, the intro, the drum intro and, and how you think it's going to be this fast song. And then he hits that chord and, it becomes this slow, sludgy song that just kind of, it is just so heavy and it, you just want to bang your head against the wall and just keep banging. It is a really cool song. Um, number two for me is Roots. Um, I am more of a latter Max era Sepultura fan than I am a a former um, era of, of Max in the early Sepultura. So Roots as you know, when I first heard that song, so when that album came out and I put that CD on and that, that song came on, I mean, it's, there's, there's a heaviness to that song. There's a groove to that song. Um, and there's, there's so much to, to the background of that song, you know, again, fully embracing their heritage and their history. So it's really, really, really cool. Um, and number one is refuse resist just like you. Um, there's a reason why you say the cliche. It's because it's a damn good song, and you, you, if it's a good song and you like it, then why not put it where you think it belongs? And that's at number one. Absolutely, and I I love your list as well. Cool. Well, that's Sepultura Arise versus Chaos AD for tonight. Chris, let them know what's up. All right. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. Remember, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to check us out on social media and leave us a comment. Make sure to tune in to the next episode when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe, and remember, always turn it up to 11. See ya!